0: What a week for the scene, right? So many things to talk about, and so many things we can't talk about. At least not yet. We will someday. Not today, though. But as far as what I am able to talk about today, uh, we got some new singles from the likes of Not a Toy, Caskets, Boundaries, and a couple of others to get through. And then brand new albums out right now by The Amity Affliction, Left to Suffer, Hot Mulligan, and Veil of Maya. Thank you so much. Thank you for tapping in and hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know y'all saw out there on Twitter, and then maybe somewhere else, the uh, the Noah Sebastian shower curtain. Um, I will never tell anybody how to express their fandom. You know, as long as you're not harming anybody, do what you do, do what you gotta do, do what you feel like doing. But just know that if you take your adoration for somebody or something to an extreme level, and you put it out there on the internet... You will be lit the fuck up. That's just how it is. And that's how it's always going to be. And that's fine. Sometimes people need that check. The other thing that I'm sure you guys saw out there are in social media, Metalcore dropouts. So that is a tour happening uh, into the fall this year. The Devil Wears Prada, Fifra King, Counterparts, and Landmarks. That is fucking insane. Um, I will be there no matter what very happy to be able to see Fiverr King for a third time in the past year at that point uh great band great dudes and uh I think if you have a chance to go see this show absolutely do but yeah that's all that I'm gonna go ahead and get into the new music for this week and up first is the number one ranked song in scenic overlook this week it is the brand new single by not a toy called nervous queen see a meme queen got a real mean gleam looking nice like summertime ice cream tell me does I really, really love so many things about this song. One of them being the promotion for it and like the campaigning that the band did for this because it felt like for a couple weeks I could not open instagram or tiktok and not at least one time in the week hear the intro verse for this song she the queen be she a meme queen got that real meme gleam looking like summertime ice cream and the way that this band pushed the song out and specifically that opening verse it was like embedded into my brain before i ever even heard the full song that is just excellent promotion for this kind of a song because it's such a very catchy verse, and it's so easy to get stuck in your head the way it did for myself. And at large, I think Nervous is just an, an amazing song for not a toy. I have talked about not a toy for years now. Um, my adoration for this band goes all the way back to their debut EP back in 2020. And just them coming out of seemingly nowhere and having everything figured out right away. They've got great style to what they do. They have this ability to write really catchy hooks and great bars. And everything about Nervous comes together to make this very anthemic pop and hip-hop based song that I think really speaks to the talent with the Not-A-Toy and just how effortless it seems for them to be able to write something as infectious as Nervous. This is for sure a summer anthem. If not for the scene at large, then for myself at the very least. Armageddon is the name of the new single by Boundaries. This is the second single released by the band in the last few months. The prior one was Bedlam. And I don't believe either song is meant to indicate a new record cycle. I think they were both written and recorded as part of the sessions with Burying Brightness, which was the Boundaries album from last October, I believe. Um, I really, really fucking love Armageddon. I think this song takes the traits of like that throwback 2000s metalcore style that boundaries are so engraved in and just really refines and polishes the sound and makes it something that is as impactful as the best moments on burying brightness in my opinion i think the song is able to achieve an intense level of catchiness given its genre um just the way that like the chorus comes in and the guitar melodies working in unison with the vocals and it just makes for this kind of a song that. You know, I would have been obsessed with this at age fucking 15 as I am now. Like, it's got that good throwback style while still being able to push the overall sound and the core boundaries forward. I think that's going to do a lot of benefits for them in the future. Make them suffer. They do be back. They do be fucking ripping. Brand new single. Ghost of Me. <laughs> this is the second single from make them suffer that features alex reed as their keyboardist and clean vocalist she was on doom switch from last year which was a very well received song and i do enjoy doom switch as well but there's something about "Ghosts" in me that i am able to connect with more and i'm not really sure what it is necessarily I just think with this song, Make Them Suffer takes what they've always been very good at and just amplifies it. And like when the song comes in and it's heavy as fuck, it's so easy to just headbang to and get lost in. And then that break right before the first chorus where Alex just kind of lets her fingers soar to the heavens with her keys and then just go into this immaculate sounding chorus. It is the kind of formula that is always going to work for Make Them Suffer, and it's the kind of formula that is going to continue to elevate them and further catapult them into that elite tier of modern metalcore bands. They're brutal, they're heart-soothing, they're heartbreaking at times even. Make Them Suffer is an excellent band, and Ghost of Me is an amazing song that I think anybody who is into metalcore nowadays really, really should be giving the time of day to. There are some details available now about the next Caskets album, but first, here is the brand new single, More Than Misery, featuring Taylor Smith from The Ward Alive. The album is called Reflections. It drops on August 11th, which is actually kind of really cool because that week makes two years since the prior Cassius album, which is Lost Souls. That released on August 13th back in that year. So um, that's like a little cool continuation thing that I noticed and maybe it was just me. I don't know. Um, as far as the single goes, this is quality material by caskets and there's not really anything else i expect to hear out of them i think they are the kind of band right now that while they're still maybe relatively new and still really pushing their own material out there they have their core sound down it's just a matter of getting the audience in tune with them and i think a song like more than misery is going to be able to do that very easily for them this song is it has a lot of energy to it it's this big um anthemic kind of uh of a notion going for it i think the course is fucking massive and arena ready and it kind of follows the same suit as other bands like bring me the horizon bad omens in terms of that pure alt rock sound that is just so large and able to pull you in like once you hear more than misery there's not really anywhere else for you to turn except for the direction that it is pulling you into and then i think telly's uh Feature on the bridge is just so well done and he adds like this flavor to the song That is only able to help it and caskets benefits from that in a big way here Reflections is something that I'm really looking forward to and I Have no doubt that I'll be able to get on the show in a couple months and tell you guys about its sheer excellence and my enthusiasm towards it The final single that I will go in detail on for the episode comes from the murder It is join me in Armageddon This is the lead single off of the new album, Godlike, which releases September 15th off the band's own record label, Human Warfare, so that's very exciting. Um I am happy to have new There Is Murder Material so soon after the aggression sessions, although it, it makes sense for that uh, collaborative effort to be like the lead-in for Join Me in Armageddon and then at large, Godlike. This song is just sensational in so many ways, and... I think what the Artist Murder managed to do on this track is kind of refine two sounds at once, deathcore and then death metal. And like in ways black and death metal, like I can sense those kinds of influences being infused into join me in Armageddon. The song has a surprisingly catchy chorus, like not really catchy in the way that you'll be singing along to it, nothing like that, but just catchy in the sense that once it's like embedded in my head, that's kind of All that I'm thinking of in that moment, like, there is no a uh, better song to capture my attention for the artist's murder than this one right here. It's heavy all the way through. It's just such a, such a fun time, such a really cool way to show off the talent and the abilities within the artist's murder. And there are talent and abilities that have always been at the forefront of their act. Like nobody who is just getting into the artist's murder right now is now discovering how good they are. They've always been good. And I think Godlike is going to really push that ahead for them. And Join Me in Armageddon is the perfectly single to, uh, Initiate this new era of the band. These are the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in their views on social media Freaks by Akuma6 and Notions, Devoured by Chamber featuring Matt Honeycutt from Kubicon, Texas, Hands by Chemical Youth, Welcome to Paradise by Conquer Divide, Zerotonin 3 by Darknet, Sleep Forever by Drippin' So Pretty, Party on My Deathbed by Hot Milk, OMG by Lolo, I Just Want to Dance by Lonely Spring, Sacrilegious by MNYS, Feed the Machine by Nevertell, Daydreaming by Parrish, Crybaby by Penny Board, Bad King by Sable Hills, Yawn Tears by Tang, Diorama by Teenage Wrist, and Kinda Sucks by Unwell. There were two songs that got a 3 out of 5. One of them was Do You Like Me Now by Omen13 featuring Kelly Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens. I do like the idea and the direction of this song. Like, instrumentally, it's very, very, like, downbeat and fun in so many ways but the delivery on vocals i just can't get behind it it's not something that i think elevates the song if anything it's a detriment to it and then dark void by asking alexandria so yeah this song is better than most of the shit that was on lighthouse on fire and um see what's on the inside but to me it's just still like Very inorganic Asking Alexandria. Like, I don't buy this. I don't believe in it. And part of why is because I I believe Danny himself said at one point, like, this album, this forthcoming album from them, like, it's not really one that he wanted to make. Like, the two prior ones that I just don't give a fuck about, those were the ones that he and the band wanted to make, or so he says. And then this new one is going to be for the fans who want something heavier. And yeah, this song is heavier in some ways, but it's just not the this is gonna sound so pretentious and so elitist but i don't give a fuck it's not the asking that i want it's not the asking that i know and love and dark void it just feels like that a a void in some ways and then one song got a 1 out of 10 it was we love you by avenge sevenfold what the fuck Like, genuinely, honest to God, what the fuck? Coming off of, like, Nobody, which I thought was an abysmal song as well, this one is just, like, weird, and it it doesn't make any structural sense. I can't identify anything redeeming about this song. It is just not at all what I want from this band. Not at all what I have championed for the last 20 years. And I'm sure there will be a few more verbal lashings in a few weeks when I review, um such as life or whatever the fuck the record's called but yeah those are all the singles for the week uh the bands are hooped y'all fucking hooped so good on y'all not good on the other ones y'all fix it do something so now i'll be moving ahead into the records for the week and the first one up is actually pretty highly anticipated on my end at least not without my ghosts by the amity affliction I think there are quite a bit of polarizing views on the Amity Affliction, at least from what I've been able to observe of them for the last couple of years, and I can kind of understand where some of that comes from, and then also not really. Um, to me, the first three albums, Severed Ties, Young Bloods, and Chasing Ghosts, those kind of feel and in some ways sound like they're on their own island in comparison to what came afterwards. From Let the Ocean Take Me back in 2014 onwards, that's the amity that is, like I just mentioned, polarizing. That's the band where people look at them and hear them and go, I don't really know about this. Or or maybe after a while, they just kind of became tired of the act, which I don't fully understand. And I phrase it like that because I have seen discourse in various circles, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it might be about the Amity affliction sounding the same on every record cycle. In my opinion, and this is just like me speaking, you know, in terms of my own beliefs about the band, if you think Amity has sounded the same ever since Let the Ocean Take Me, you didn't hear Misery from 2018. Misery, to me, is like the most out there that they've ever sounded, and also the best, in my opinion. I fucking love Misery, and if I'm keeping it in a stack with all of you, I generally just love all of amity's albums let the ocean take me this could be heartbreak and then everyone loves you once you leave them no issues with them at all i would even say uh let the ocean take me and everyone loves you great albums like genuinely some good fucking shit is on those records i think the concepts that might be boring people aren't necessarily the rhythmic or sonic materials here because i think they are able to take metalcore and just constantly push it forward Maybe it's the lyrical matter and the thematic presentation of the Amity Affliction in that sense, to which that goes into this entire separate discourse about Hope Core and what that ended up doing for the scene, and it's not really something I'm going to get into right now because um I don't really feel like it, and this record, or review rather, should be predicated on just this new record. And when it comes to this record, nothing bad to say about it at all. I think this album is near flawless, and sits comfortably with the best material that the Amity Affliction have ever put out. I think that the four singles leading into the album's release did a great job at kind of showing that this album would have more than a few connective threads between this and the prior material from them, and then also the ability to venture off into a bit of a different direction. So, uh, Show Me Your God, I See Dead People, and It's Hell Down Here, great songs that are patented to the nature of the Amity Affliction that I think everybody has come to expect. Um Also on uh, I See Dead People, that's probably my favorite song in the record so far. So far, is if There's more. Um It's my favorite song on the record after hearing it multiple times. And I think the feature by Louis Nux just helps elevate it in a big way. And uh, rest in peace to Louis, uh, big ups to him for this spot. The fourth single, and it's also the closing song, the title track, which features Femme, that song moves into... Uh, the territory of being like a piano ballad and it's great i I think it's a a fucking standout song on the record and femme uh, like i mentioned about louis feature on i see dead people femme is able to kind of i don't want to say carry the song but she definitely acts as the lifeblood of it and it would not have hit the same way without her there are two other songs on the album that have feature spots death in the setting sun which features andrew newfeld from comeback kid and When It Rains It Pours, featuring Landon Taurus from The Plot New. I think these are two more examples of Amity being able to take these guest spots and utilize the advantages and the strengths of these particular artists to perfection. Andrew and Landon hold their own and carry their own weight in massive ways on these tracks, especially When It Rains It Pours. I think that song is just right up there with some of the best material that Amity have put out in the last couple of years. And then something else that I think is really admirable about the album, at least for myself personally, is how Amity Affliction can take what some people might be able to perceive as what I mentioned earlier, the same exact sound, but wield these ideas through a strand of songs like The Big Sleep, Close To Me, God Voice, and just be able to inject so much life into their brand of metalcore to the point where... I am able to identify all of these layers to these tracks that make them stand out in so many unique ways. And I feel like that is kind of a reoccurring theme throughout Not Without My Ghosts, and it just further elevates the Amity Affliction in my eyes, at least. So kind of going back to what I said earlier, I do understand some of the gripes about the Amity Affliction, but then hearing an album like Not Without My Ghosts and just how fluid it is, how good it is at the end of the day, I don't really understand... Said gripes, and you know, maybe the Amity Affliction are not innovating metalcore, but they're taking what they're known to do and what they're used to doing and just continue to do it at a very elite level, in my opinion. Feral is the name of the brand new album out right now by Left to Suffer. Yeah. Something that I want you guys to know now is that I don't ever forget what bands were there for me in a way at the start of *Ulterior* two years ago, and one of them was *Let to Suffer*. And I remember reviewing their EP on *Death*, and I knew that it w- it had the potential to act as like the launching pad or the starting point for. A band that could genuinely impact deathcore in a really big way moving forward, and I think there were so many like hints along the way to really show that that would be the case. You know, whether it was the EP from last year and dying forever, or the singles rollout for Feral. Like, if you exposed yourself to Left to Suffer, I don't see how you were not of the mindset that this band is doing something fucking incredible right now. And a big part of that, I think, can and should be attributed to Taylor Barber, who is the vocalist for Left to Suffer, and how just immaculate he is at being able to carry these screams through the really sick and cool melodies within Left to Suffer's music and not at all lose a beat in anything that he's doing. He is, in my opinion, one of the best in the world right now, and I'm going to carry the sentiment over to Left to Suffer and call them one of the best deathcore bands going today. And there theoretically wasn't a ton of time available on Pharaoh for them to do that, because the album is eight songs and it only expands about 25 minutes, but they utilize that 25 minutes to perfection. Not a single fucking second is wasted without brutalizing the fuck out of their audience. Respectfully, of course. I think the title track, which is the opener for the album, is as impactful of his opener as you can ask for. And halfway through the song, there's actually a lyric that says, it's time for deathcore before the song just like recommences being the fuck out of you. And I don't know, man. I just thought that was like kind of funny and cool and shit. There's a track on here called Primitive Urge, which features Joe Bottolato from Fiffer and Autopsy. And I, I think combining the abilities of Taylor and Joe it's just like this real powerhouse duo that is able to take primitive urge to new heights for the album. Something that stuck out to me on the album, and maybe this was like a a thought within the brains of everybody on Left to Suffer when crafting this album, is just how well this will all translate live. And hearing songs like Break the Fever or Illusion of Sleep and just being able to close my eyes and envision what the pit looks like and just what everybody losing their shit to these songs would, um, you know, what that atmosphere would create, what it would feel like. And I cannot fucking wait to be a part of that. The closing song, Consistent Suffering, it might be, in my opinion right now, did I just do like a fucking falsetto with that shit? It might be. That's crazy. Um It might be my favorite song on the album as of now. I think that song takes like the most chances on the album, uh, the chorus is actually very singable, and that's not really an attribute that I associate with Let to Suffer, but hearing how well it's done here, I, I have no complaints about it whatsoever. I-, I think the song is fucking amazing. I really enjoy how it kind of quiets itself at the end, and then Taylor, one final time, screams consistent suffering, and the song comes back for one final breakdown before letting you go out of the record. I love Left to Suffer and I love Feral. I think this record is the perfect way for them to kind of expand on their sound and grow themselves. And I just hope that this album can reach anybody in deathcore who, you know, just wants something really fucking blistering, really heavy, really hard hitting. And at the same time, really, really sensational. Okay. This one is going to be. Very interesting to talk about, I believe. Why Would I Watch by Hot Mulligan? So this will be quite different from the reviews I just did for the Amity Affliction and Let to Suffer because with those two acts, I said that I've always seen the potential and fulfillment of greatness within them. Not so much Hot Mulligan though. Um I remember hearing You'll Be Fine back in March of 2020 and it, it wasn't a pandemic album technically because it released the week before the health declaration and all that sort of shit but I didn't get around to it until like towards the end of that month and I just really wasn't in the mood at that time to be diving into new shit considering what was happening in and out of my space not my space the website my personal space is what I'm trying to get at and then they had an EP out the next year I won't reach out to you which I did briefly talk about on this show back when it released and I wasn't feeling it. I don't really know what it was, but I just could not connect with that album. And it might have been similarly to what I just mentioned about You'll Be Fine and how I just was not in the mood to really be a recipient of anything within the scene that was trying to uh, like introduce itself to me, for lack of a better way of phrasing that. So now, with this album, Why Would I Watch, it felt like, The right time to go ahead and be like, you know, I've probably been harder on this band than I needed to be. Let me be open-minded. Let me be willing to listen to this album and accept whatever it is Hot Mulligan is going to throw at me. And they threw at me one of the coolest pop-punk albums I've heard all year so far. I am genuinely fucking blown away by how much I like Why Would I Watch. And I can... Be honest with you guys and say a uh, part of my attachment is because of the song titles and I, okay, so growing up in the initial era of the scene that I did, this kind of shit was commonplace. You know, naming songs, these ridiculously long ass titles that are just completely fucking stupid and have nothing to do with the subject matter whatsoever. But I didn't give a shit and I don't give a shit today. I fucking love these song titles shouldn't have a leg hole but i do it's a family movie she hates her dad this song is called what it's called what it's called no shoes in the coffee shop or socks cock party two better than the first and then the closing song maybe the greatest song title i've ever seen John the Rock Cena, Can You Smell of the Undertaker? None of this shit makes any fucking sense, and that is a, a large part of the charm. And what makes it better is that these songs are actually fucking good. I think shouldn't have a leg hole, but I do is a very, very effective opening song, and how it starts off in like an acoustic manner, and you're just like, or at least I was like, okay, what is this? What is it gonna lead into? And then from there, just taking on this very anthemic pop punk sound, that I think Hot Mulligan mastered on this record. And then from there, going into its family movie, She Hates Her Dad, I think at that point, it was very clear to me how infectious and catchy the album would be while on vocals, Tade is providing this very like harsh and chaotic tone to his delivery that maybe, like if you explained it to me on paper, I would question how it works, but hearing it in practice... I could not imagine these songs having any different kind of cadence to them. I think on a song like "No Shoes in the Coffee Shop" or "Socks," you do get a bit of like a uh, of a scaled back Hot Mulligan somewhat in the intro verse, and to me, that's just like another layer on how excellent the band is in crafting whatever sound it was that they were pursuing on the album. And then from there, the song Betty is what really managed to take what I just mentioned about scaling things back and do it in a way where it it, it's kind of a little bit antithetical in some ways to the instrumentation on the rest of the songs because Betty is very somber and downbeat, yet it's still able to paint Hot Mulligan in this very positive light. And I think that's exceptional for a band To be able to show this kind of versatility and detail to their, um, to the styles that they are trying to achieve here. I think that the two closing songs, uh, Smack My Head Off and John the Rock Scene Can You Smell with the Undertaker, they kind of work in unison with each other as far as being able to showcase the two primary styles displayed on this album by Hal Mulligan. So on Smack My Head Off, it's kind of um a, a little bit soothing, a, a little bit calmer in nature Comparison in comparison to something chaotic like John the Rock Sino, which is the most apropos way for this album to close itself out. And then my favorite song of the album is Cock Party 2 better than the first, to me, that song, it does a great job at pacing itself. And even when it gets like very chaotic, it's still not as chaotic as most of the other songs in the album. And I think the band do an amazing job at using that song to kind of be like this really effective midway point of sorts, the median for the album. Honestly, it reminds me of uh, Strangers by Can't Swim, and that's my favorite Can't Swim song, so maybe that's where some of the attachment is coming from, but regardless, I am in love with this album in a way that I was not expecting, because again, I had not fully been sold yet on Hot Mulligan. Now I am. Now I see the appeal. Now I recognize the talent within this act, and I'm very, very glad that why would I watch managed to do that for me, because now... I no longer feel like I'm missing out whenever I see or hear anybody praise Hot Mulligan to the extent that they do because with an album like this, I don't have a choice now but to embrace them. And for the final album of the episode, we have Mother by Veil of Maya. There is enough regarding Veil Maya to probably cover an entire episode all to themselves. And maybe that does happen one day. Maybe at some point in this podcast duration, I do expand to episodes about just particular bands. So it's a little bit difficult for me to encapsulate the history of Veil Maya into just one review. What I will say is that there are several different entry points of Veil Maya per se. So for myself, it would have been on the common man's collapse and this was back in like 2009 i believe and at that point veil of maya were very much like a deathcore act and that continued all the way until the 2015 album matriarch which i believe is like the most acclaimed album by veil of maya and for good reason because i think that song being the shifting point for the band to go from deathcore to metalcore it paid off in a big fucking way And to me, that payoff was in the form of the song Mikasa. And in my opinion, Mikasa is one of the best like 20 or 15 metalcore songs to come out in the last 10 years. And that song being like the hint or the nod to what Vale of Maya would be able to achieve sonically from then on out, that was huge for them and huge for myself. I don't like 2017's False Idol nearly as much as Matriarch, but I can still understand and acknowledge how crucial that album was to crafting the sound of Villa Maya that led us to this point with Mother. So Mother is the band's first album in six years, and there has been this just exponential wait for the album and a lot of expectations that I would like to believe we're met here because I do believe that what we ended up getting on Mother is potentially the best Veil Maya album ever. I don't say that confidently because I still would have to like really go back to Make Shark because I haven't in a while. But just off of like initial listens, Mother is fucking outstanding. And I feel like that was evident to me at least throughout the singles rollout because Synthway Vegan and Godhead did a great job at expanding and showcasing the very gent inspired metalcore style to Vela and, and then Red Fur and Mother Part 4 kind of did the same while also showing off the clean abilities within the act and just how well these kinds of choruses and melodies can really be carried on this album. I think the record begins with this incredible one-two punch of Tokyo Chainsaw and Artificial Dose. To me, Tokyo Chainsaw is just like the quintessential metalcore opener, and not just for an album, but also a live set. I feel like the song can go fucking dummy in that atmosphere. And then Artificial Dose is one of the best choruses Vela might have ever written. The range in that shit is just excellent and immaculate in every possible facet. The guitar work from Mark Okabo on this album is maybe the best work of his career so far, at least just like from how astounding this album is in that regard, and just how many times I had to like take a step back and listen to these melodies and these licks and just be like, dude, what the fuck, this guy is on one, for real, for real. There's also the song Disco Kill Party, which is, as of this recording, my favorite song on the album and then if i'm just like being brutally honest with you guys i think this is my favorite song by villa maya ever since mikista disco kill party takes all of the right uh characteristics and traits of this album mixes them into one song while in some ways not fully but just like you know in some hinted manners there's like crab core inspiration in this track and Again, it's not fully fleshed out, it's just there in enough tiny bits and particles for me to pick up on, and that creates this immediate connection between myself and Disco Kill Party and just how much I believe this song helps the flow of the album, and then also the versatile range of it. You get some of the best heavier moments on the album in the two closing songs, Lost Creator and Death Runner, and then just afterwards, after finishing this album one time through, all I wanted to do was hear it again. And again, and again, and again, and I've done that so many times the last couple days because I truly believe in Mother, and I had all of this faith in the world for Vale of Maya to deliver something, and yet it still feels like they exceeded even the highest of expectations that I could have set for them. I think Mother is outstanding. This album is fucking tremendous, and I just cannot get enough of it, whether it's Tokyo Chainsaw, Artificial Ghost, Disco Kill Party, uh Reconnect, no matter what song it is, I am in tune with Veil of Maya. I am there getting lost in the moment with them. And I am just so like grateful for this album's existence right now because it really has been the soundtrack of my week, the last week. That was redundant as fuck. Why'd I say that? Um, I'm also not cutting any of this out, by the way. I love Mother. I think this album is just an excellent addition to the already goaded discography of Veil of Maya. And I encourage anybody who has ever even had the slightest bit of interest in this band to check out Mother. Because I think this album deserves that attention. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week for me to go over. And yeah, this continues what I mentioned before about the trend of May being a huge month. Because there's already been so many big name-worthy albums to talk about so far. And then that's just going to continue sleep token is upon us guys fucking warship let's fucking go but until then thank you for listening i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and as always for the love of the game let's make a scene